We talked a little bit about Florida and Hurricane Ian. And um, let's see. Edson, can you get me on my first slide, please? Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so uh, we, we talked about the death toll being 66. Now, Florida had been preparing for weeks for this. And that's because of our, our weather bureau and the good equipment that they have and, and also because of the media. So we have, have both our, you know, uh, meteorology and media together notified people. They were able to, to board up their houses to get out lots of damage, but 66 people were killed in this. Now, I just want to compare that for a minute to back in 1900, there was an earthquake, or a, I'm sorry, a hurricane of similar proportions. Uh, actually, the, uh, the, the uh, rise in sea level was very similar, and it came through and it hit Galveston, devastated Galveston. In fact, the death toll was anywhere from 8,000 to 12,000 people. The reason for the difference was because at that time, the Weather Bureau didn't have the information necessary to predict the trajectory of a particular storm. And there was another reason. They had actually cut off communications with the Weather Bureau of Cuba, which happened to be much more advanced than our own at the time. Spanish-American War had just happened, and as a result, they blocked all communication from Cuba. Cuba had just experienced the storm and no messages came through. And as a result, Galveston was devastated. They lacked the knowledge, and they ignored the warning signs. Two key issues in what caused their devastation. We are entering into a two-month period where we're going to do a series on prophecy. And our goal is to give you the knowledge and help you know the warning signs so that you can be ready for what is coming. The Lord is coming. Amen? He is coming. And prophecy is such an interesting topic. Many people are fascinated. Just about everybody's fascinated. But some people are afraid of it and don't want to study it because it's scary to talk about end times. Uh, some people avoid it, and some people are obsessed over it. Some people love it, some are afraid, uh, some think it's distant, some look at every headline and say, oh look, it's another sign, another sign. And throughout the ages, Christians have, have felt that they were in the end times. But I hope that today I can show you that we truly are in unprecedented times, in times that have not existed before, and that we are closer, obviously. I mean, that's a, that's a, you can't go wrong with that statement. We are closer to the end times than they were years ago, right? But from the Bible, we are going to look at this. And this is the important thing that I want to say. We must look at the Bible first and then measure what we hear in the news against the Bible. We cannot do the reverse. We can't look at every headline and panic and start holding signs up, the end of the world is here. There are things that are happening, but we must measure them carefully against what the scripture says. So why do we study prophecy? There are several reasons I just want to go quickly through. First, this is from Revelation. The Apostle John, through the Holy Spirit, says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things that are written in it, for the time is near. 
So when we study prophecy, we are promised a blessing because it gives us a longing for the return of Christ. And when we long for the return of Christ, 1 Timothy uh, it says that those who love his appearing will receive the crown of righteousness. So when we long for the return of Christ, when we love the return of Christ, we are promised a crown as part of our eternal blessing. Another reason we study prophecy is because God wants us to be watching and ready. Now hear this, he doesn't want us to get ready, he wants us to be ready. Be ready, you know, right now to be ready. Listen to what what Jesus tells us himself. He says, therefore keep watch because you do not know, excuse me, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known on what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. That's a key verse there. You'll see other other, uh, verses about that in John and Luke. And sometimes... You know, we understand that prophecy is hard to understand, but we don't want to be like the Weather Bureau of 1900. We want to know what the signs are and to be well-informed. And so even though it's hard to understand, we have to grapple with prophecy. And another reason for that is because one-third of your Bible is prophecy. If we call ourselves students of the Bible, we don't want to miss one-third of it. And one-third of it, out of that one-third, most of those prophecies have never even been fulfilled yet. So we must be ready. We must know the scriptures, what they say about it, and that's part of our goal for this two-month period. Studying prophecy helps us understand God's love for humankind and his heart for sinners. Studying the future and the, the severe and scary events that come It's because God has used up every other thing that he can to call people to himself. I love the book of Revelation. I read it at least once a year. It's probably my favorite book of the Bible. I am always amazed because four times in the book of Revelation, God says, but still they did not repent of their acts and turn to me. See, God's heart in all of it is calling people to himself. He's not just angry and pouring out wrath. His whole goal in end times is to call more people to himself. We get to see God's heart when we study prophecy. And then finally, it motivates us in our work of spreading the gospel and equipping people for spiritual maturity and for fruitfulness. When we know and study that the Lord is coming and that it can be at any moment, we are motivated to tell people about Jesus, and that's a great thing. So today we are looking at signs of the times, and I'm calling it Signs of the Times, a call to persevere. Over these two months, each of our messages will have a title, and part of that title is a specific call, because when we study prophecy, it's not just about studying prophecy and the going on our way and glad that we know a little more about the end times. Every time we study something in prophecy, the Lord is calling us to something. And today we are looking at the call to persevere. We are looking at events that are leading up to 
the seven-year tribulation period. When we talk about end times, we are talking about that period and beyond. So today we're looking at the times now, how we are leading up to that. I'm going to give you a list of 11 events or conditions that must take place. Some of these are debatable. I'll let you know when we come up to them. But we can only, since there's 11 of them, we're gonna be brief. The first one is that there will be increased apostasy. Apostasy is a falling away from the church. Listen to these verses from the Apostle Paul. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, so regarding his return, let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. But the Spirit ex explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith. This is from a website called Ignite America. The worst possible news for the church is that our most faithful weekly attenders are declining in explosively increasing numbers with no sign of slowing down. In America, from 1990 to 2010, so that's a 20-year period, the decline in weekly church attenders was less than 1% per decade. And then from 2010 to 2014, weekly church attenders declined by 6% in just four years. And now weekly attenders have decreased by 20%. That means the bedrock of the American church is disappearing. Lifeway, the publisher that we use a lot actually, has an article about the falling away from the church. And they say that in this falling away from the church that's taking place, the majority of that, of that is in young people. In fact, young adults have gone from 36% down to 26% attendance. If you're a young adult here, thank you. Thank you for being here. If you're not a young adult, would you encourage our young adults because they are standing against the times. They are going against their culture. And we need to commend our young adults that are here for staying with it because everybody else in their culture or in their group is staying home. And, you know, if you think about this, this is such a call for all of us to persevere. None of us are exempt from falling away from the church. We must hold on. We must persevere. Our world is in a desperate situation. And the answer to the world, which is the church, the kingdom of God, is diminishing. And that ought to call us to greater work, greater fervency, more perseverance, holding on tighter, and to really get the job done that the Lord is calling us to do. It reminds me of Gideon. You know, God could have destroyed the, the, the uh, enemy with a much larger army, but he brought it down to 300 people. Hopefully that won't be the church <laughs> at the time. But the point is, he's diminishing his army. There is a falling away, and we must fight all the harder. So come with us as we look to sharpen our purpose and to, to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and for fruitfulness. Come with us. Second sign of the times is world wars, famines, and earthquakes. Hear this. These are the words of Jesus. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the, the, the end of the age. Now, let me stop for a moment. Jews thought in two ages, the current age and the messianic age. 
The Jews were in the current age and they were awaiting the messianic age. Jews today who are not believers in Christ are still in the current age and awaiting their messianic age. They missed it. Okay, but, but the Jews are thinking. So they're asking here, what's the end of the current age? And Jesus answered <clears throat> and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. That's our call to persevere. And those for those things must take place, and that is not yet the end. So he's saying, There'll be wars, rumors of wars, and false messiahs. It's not the end of this age. That's just going to happen. He goes on. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, the beginning of the end. Now I want to talk a little bit about this. What I'm going to say might be a little controversial. That's okay. You can handle it. You can disagree if you want. This phrase, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, is a Jewish idiom. It was used twice in the Old Testament. And what's important about when it's used is the context. Once in the Old Testament, it's used about Egypt. So it's talking about kingdom against kingdom arising in Egypt. Another time it's used in the Old Testament, it's talking about the Middle East. So kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation happening in the Middle East. In our passage here in Matthew, the context, which I didn't read the whole context, the context is the world. So I want to say that when, when Jesus is saying nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, he is talking about worldwide war. We have seen that fulfillment. We have seen our world at war twice. World War I, World War II. In World War I, there were 50 nations involved. In World War II, there were 111 nations involved in the conflict. He says, at the same time, there will be earthquakes and famines. We know that famine is on the increase. Uh, they expect that this year, 46 million people there will be 40, there will be, how do I say this? There will be 46 million more people suffering from famine than just last year. Earthquakes, it's hard to, to decipher because our, our uh, uh, equipment that analyzes earthquakes has increased. So it looks like an increase. When you read websites, they, most of the websites are saying there really hasn't been an increase of, of um, earthquakes at this point. Uh, but the important point is that these things have happened. We live in a time where there has already been world war. Now, you may not agree that World War I or World War II was fulfilling this. That's okay. There'll be more, <laughs> right? There will be more. But I believe we live in a time that is very important. I think also what's so significant about this is that those wars had the greatest impact on the nation of Israel. If it weren't for those wars, then the nation of Israel would not be in. See, the nation of Israel was reestablished as a result of World War II. 
It says here in Ezekiel, as I live, declares the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with wrath poured out, I shall be king over you. I will bring you out of the peoples and gather you from the lands where you are scattered with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out, and I will bring you to the wilderness of the peoples, and there I will enter into judgment with you. You see, in AD 70, when Rome came in and destroyed Jerusalem, Jews were scattered throughout the world. They have been that way until the 1950s. When World War II, actually World War I, started this Zionistic movement and World War II really completes it, the UN determined that there must be a state where Jewish people can go and have the land. And they started the land of Israel again. They reestablished the land of Israel again. God lets us know that he is gathering his people from every corner of the world, bringing them in, but this gathering is a gathering for a future judgment there will be another judgment. Israel will eventually have a return to the Lord. But this gathering that we have lived to see is for future judgment. Zephaniah says, gather, yourself, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather, O nation without shame. Before the decree takes effect, the day passes like the chaff. Before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger comes upon you. This gathering is before his judgment on Israel, and it's for that purpose. So, Israel has been gathered in unbelief. They will face judgment. And what God will purify the land so that there will come a time when only believing Jews are left there. And we have seen the beginning of this prophecy fulfilled. This is key, and this really is what makes us in a very different time than any other time. This prophecy, though, and the fact that judgment is coming ought to move us, though, shouldn't it? We need to be praying for Jewish people. They are God's people. He has chosen them, but they have rebelled against him. We need to be praying for them. We need to look at how we can support Jewish missionaries, men and women who are bringing the gospel to Israel. This is an important call to us in this the fourth thing is the rapture. Jesus comes to take his church. Now, let me say a couple of things. Here. Uh, next week, there will be a sermon on just the rapture. Uh, Pastor John Desiderio will be speaking that sermon to us that's just on the rapture. Our church from its inception has taken a pre-tribulation view of the rapture. There is debate. Some people believe the rapture must take place before the seven-year period of tribulation. Some say it will take place in the middle. Some say it will take place after the seven-year period. This church is pre-trib. I have been pre-trib. I've been all, actually. I have been mid-trib. I've been post-trib. But for years now, I've been pre-trib. Okay? And there are a lot of reasons. We probably won't be able to get into all of those reasons in, in any of the sermons. But I would love to talk to you about that sometime. Uh, we're not going to debate that today. Instead, we are presenting our series in a pre-tribulation order. But this is the important thing that I want you to know that's a misconception. The rapture does not start the seven-year period of tribulation. We, I think a lot of us were taught that. But the rapture can happen at any moment. And then there can be years before the tribulation period actually begins, when other things need to still be fulfilled. We are awaiting the rapture at any moment. 
I would love for that to happen now. Lord, come, come, and we'll wait for the tribulation, <laughs> right? The tribulate or the rapture can happen in any moment. You'll hear more about that next week. Another thing is that, uh, another sign of the times that Jew or Jerusalem must be under Jewish control. If there is anything that is debated, that is this right now. The Muslims are in there, okay, Palestinians are controlling Jerusalem. The Jews have control of Jerusalem. Nobody knows, <laughs> right? Because they both do and it's, it's not happening. The scripture doesn't actually say that Jerusalem will be under Jewish control, but the scripture does say that the Jews will build a temple. It will be a temple that is, exists in the tribulation time. So the assumption is if they've built a temple, then they must have control of the land there. Now this is really important. There is currently not a temple in Jerusalem, but there are plans to build it. Something exists called the Temple Institute. This is an organization that exists for the purpose of rebuilding the temple. They are anticipating the moment when they can build the temple and start the sacrifices again. This is from their organization. The Temple Institute is dedicated to all aspects of divine commandment for Israel to build a house for God's presence, the holy temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Our goal is firstly to restore temple consciousness and reactivate these forgotten commandments. We hope that by doing our part, we can participate in the process that will lead to the holy temple becoming a reality once more. And folks, if you think, okay, well, they're just sitting around dreaming about this. Look at this. This was just in the news, September 15th. September 15th, perfect unblemished red heifers arrived in Israel from the USA, from Texas, in our own times. The commandment of the red heifer takes on more and more significance, for without it, the divine service of the Holy Temple cannot be resumed. After almost 2,000 years, Israel is clearly moving towards the time when the Holy Temple on Mount Moriah, the prophesied third temple, will be built. This is from their website. They are looking and preparing to start the sacrificial system again. They believe it's that close that they have brought over a small herd of perfect red heifers so they can begin, begin uh, breeding them and have a herd of heifers ready for sacrifice. That's astounding news, and we live in that time. Sixth sign, the Northern Alliance invasion of Israel. Many of you will know this by the Gog-Magog war that is talked about in Ezekiel. There's several things I want to say. The timing of this is debatable. Some people believe that this is talking about Armageddon, which happens at the end of the tribulation. I, I stand with the, the commentators who believe that this is a, a separate earlier event, and I believe because of the, the, the way it's described, um, that I, I, I think there's good reason for that. I hope you study it and come up with your own. Um, so what this is, that uh, there will be a major conflict against Israel, and it will primarily be, we believe, Russia allied with Iran and several other Muslim nations. Now, this event hasn't taken, taken place. It is something in the future, but what you must know is that Russia and Iran are aligning right now. And, um, 
and we'll, we'll talk in a moment about it, but this event, there will be a decisive win. God will come in and through natural disasters and through causing confusion on the enemies of Israel, God will defeat the, the invading army. The mess will be so bad in the hills of Israel that it will take them seven months to clean up the bodies and seven years to dismantle the military equipment that was left on that battlefield. Now, a few things that are significant. Those hills that this takes place on were not a part of Israel until 1967 in the Six Day War when Israel took over that land. Now that those hills that this is going to take place on is a part of this nation. The second thing is that uh, Russia and Iran are certainly uh, aligning themselves together and the present conflict in Ukraine even continues to add to that. Listen to this, this is um, uh, from an article. The, the imposition of severe sanctions against Russia marks the entry of a great power into the club of the internationally excluded, which could unlock major opportunities for Iran's economy. Iran and Russia can now build on their trade to try to compensate for sanctions. The trade volume between the two countries has already increased significantly in 2022. The goal is to reach as much as 40 billion, while last year figures were at 4 billion. So the, the trade between Russia and Iran, they are expecting to increase by tenfold. Iran and Russia recently signed a memorandum of understanding to establish two trade centers in Iran and St. Petersburg to facilitate, facilitate trade. So again, though we have not seen this war yet, it does appear that there, there is an alignment going on. And certainly, Russia has been behind, be, behind support for all of the Muslim nations that stand against uh, the Jewish nation of Israel. Several other signs. There will be a one-world government. Out of that one-world government will rise 10 kingdoms and out of those 10 kingdoms will rise the Antichrist. Listen to this, this is from Daniel. The book of Daniel, God, God just gave Daniel such specific signs. If you could study the book of Daniel. In fact, oh, I did want to tell you, in your bulletin is a list of good books to read on prophecy, and on the back of that, key passages that you really ought to spend time in and be very familiar with. This is one of them. Thus he said, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. Now, I know that many commentators believe that this was the Roman Empire. Uh, the problem with that is that Rome did not devour the whole earth. Um, so there is yet a one world government coming. Whether that comes out of Rome or Europe, that's debatable as well, but, but there is a one world government coming. As for the 10 horns, out of this kingdom, 10 kings will arise and another will arise after them. And he, the Antichrist, will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and time and a half. And that's a biblical reference to three and a half years. 
So, this is not conspiracy theory, okay? I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you, all you have to do is go onto websites like the World Economic Forum, which is a, a leading, leading economic mover, and see that they are headed for a one-world economic system. They want it. They're pushing for it. It's no secret that uh, the, the, the rulers of our lands want a one-world government, and they are hoping for a, a, an international crisis and may even be planning an international crisis or manufacturing a, an international crisis in order to bring about a one-world government. That is no secret. We need to watch for this. Out of this will come a period of peace and false security. This is from the Apostle Paul. Now, as to times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves full, know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them, and suddenly, like labor, will not escape. Out of those 10 kingdoms, the Antichrist will rise and he will sign a seven-year treaty with Israel, seven-year covenant with Israel. I'm not going to read the passage, but you need to know that this, this is the event that starts the seven-year tribulation period. It cannot start until the Antichrist appears on the scene signs a treaty with Israel, and then three and a half years in, we'll break it, and we'll go into the temple, the, the tribulation temple, and will declare himself to be God. So these are the signs of the times. The order of this, I put it in an order. It may be different than that, but the, the point is that we are seeing what the world has never seen before. So what does this mean? Well, it means that we're waiting for the rapture. That's a great thing. We are waiting for the rapture. The great falling away, this apostasy that is going on in our current, current time and even brought on from COVID could be that great falling away. Certainly we are seeing a falling away in the church. We have seen world wars. We have seen Israel reestablished. Uh, there's the question of Jewish control of Jerusalem. We know that the Temple Institute exists and they are prepared and ready to build a temple. Pieces are falling into place for this Northern Alliance invasion against Israel. All of this is a call to persevere. Church, we must hold on. Our world is going to fall apart. We are going to get all kinds of alarming news. All kinds of alarming news from our government. We're going to see our government fall apart. We're going to see terrible things in the world. We cannot lose heart. We belong to the winning side. We are on Christ's side. He will come back. He will come back. He will take us to be with him. And he will set up his kingdom on this earth. But we exist in a time, church, where going to church is out of style and will become increasingly so. Hang in there. Don't fall by the wayside. Keep coming. Keep coming and getting yourself prepared and be ready for action. Get into action. We cannot give up. We cannot become complacent.
We've got to fight all the harder because our numbers are down. Our, num- our numbers are down. So it's a call, a call for us to truly work at equipping everyone for spiritual maturity and for fruitfulness. We are going into a time of communion now. And as we do this, this is a time to reflect on the sacrifice of Christ. Remember, as we talk about future events, God is using the most extreme method to call people who have rebelled against him to himself. But he's already given the best method, and that is the cross. On the cross of Christ, he has provided for us a way of salvation so that you and I can be assured that we will be ready for his coming, that we will be ready for the future events, and that we will be the church that is bringing his kingdom, small though we may become, we will be the church that he will use to bring his kingdom, to preach his gospel to those who are suffering.